Have you ever been ashamed or embarrassed to be seen with someone? Like in no way did you want to be associated with them? Uh, my wife has, and unfortunately, I was the one that she was embarrassed to be with on our honeymoon, of all places. Uh, we went on a cruise, and if you know anything about me, you know that I love karaoke. And I was really looking forward to doing some karaoke while we were on our cruise. Apparently, Jordan does not like karaoke. And more than that, she does not like me doing karaoke. <laughs> Somehow this did not come up in our premarital counseling, but it did create an opportunity for us to grow in oneness on our honeymoon. So one night I'm preparing to go up on stage and deliver one of my greatest hits. And she looks over to me and says, hey, I'm gonna go to our room. I was like, okay. She's like, yeah, I just, I'm gonna go. I'm tired, I'm gonna go lay down. And so she left, I got up there, did my thing, and then I came afterward and then she confessed to me, Jared, the real reason I left is because I didn't want people to know after you sang and came back to our table that I was with you. <laughs> it's really encouraging. And it's not like I'm bad. Like I actually won a competition. Like I won a competition on this cruise. And in the Lord's providence and kindness, he would not let Jordan get away from me because on the day after I won the competition, we're on the beach in St. Martin and this lady sees me and she says, Jared? I said, yes. She says, are you the Jared that won the, the competition, the singing competition last night? I said, yes, it is me. And she goes, are you a professional? And then Jordan just like rolled her eyes and walked away realizing that no matter how hard she tried, she could not escape this association. I told her, I said, listen, you knew what you were getting into when you said yes. Now, this may seem like a subtle way of bragging about my karaoke skills, but I promise there's a connection to this story in our text today, because it seems like Timothy is beginning to feel about the gospel and about Paul, his mentor in the faith, the way that Jordan was feeling about me and my karaoke skills. And obviously there's much more at stake. I probably gave Jordan reason to be embarrassed, but friends, there's no reason for us to be embarrassed by the gospel. There's, there's no reason why we should, we should be embarrassed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet Timothy is starting to feel the pressure of being used by God for the sake of the gospel. He's, he's seeing the cost of faithfulness, and it is leading to him being paralyzed to the point where he might quit the race that Dr. Shaddix mentioned to us last week. And listen, in all fairness to Timothy, Ephesus was a difficult place to serve. We're told in Acts chapter 19 that Ephesus was a city full of idols. There were many competing worldviews and religions pushing back against the spread of the gospel. In fact, we're also told that Paul's ministry in Ephesus was so disconcerting that it led to riots throughout the city. So it's not like Timothy is in an easy place to do ministry, but God had also shown him over and over again his power to overcome those things that were resisting him. Yes, it was true that there was some disturbance because of the gospel, but it was because the power of God was so clearly displayed in Ephesus. And Paul says to Timothy, listen, brother, 
Will you see this power? And will you trust that the same power God has used to overcome those enemies around you will flow through you to hold you up in the midst of difficult circumstances? Paul hears about the timidity in Timothy. He hears about this resistance growing in his spirit. And in chapter one of this letter, 2 Timothy, verses eight to 14, here's essentially what Paul says to him. Timothy, as servants of Jesus and his gospel, and that's what you are. You're a servant of Jesus and you're a servant of his gospel. You must, we must remain steadfast in this work to make disciples for the glory of God. It is true, Timothy, that this work is going to be resisted. Jesus told us as much, but also know that what is resisted cannot be stopped and it must not be stopped. The world must hear. The world needs to hear how God has loved them in Jesus and that message is worth it. Will you persevere? Will you be unashamed? Let's listen to the words that Paul wrote to Timothy in verses 8 to 14. Here's what the word of God says. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested, manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light to the gospel. And it's this gospel that I was appointed to as a preacher, apostle, teacher, And it's this gospel that is the reason that I suffer as I do. But Timothy, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul begins this section of his letter with three exhortations that really form the foundation of the whole letter. And it builds directly off of the verses that we saw last week. That's why it begins with therefore, because therefore is always there for a reason. Paul ends his introductory portion there in verse seven. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Timothy, because of the power of the Spirit at work within you, you don't need to be afraid, but trust, rest in the power of God at work within you. And because of that power, let me exhort you, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of servants of the gospel. And don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or workers of the gospel, and don't be afraid to suffer as a worker of the gospel. The first exhortation, don't be ashamed of the gospel because of the power at work 
within you, that you have seen, believed in Jesus. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul begins his encouragement with the gospel message, reminding him of the glory of what it is that God has done for us in Jesus. He says to, to Timothy, I've entrusted with you this message and you are to guard this message. You're to follow the, the faithful teaching of the good deposit that has been given to you. And then Paul, in his grace, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds Timothy why this gospel message is something that we should never be ashamed of. And so what I want to do is just unpack for a brief moment this gospel declaration that, that Paul offers here in the middle of this first chapter. And I want you just to hear it and delight in it. Because there's some incredible gospel truth that Paul offers here to his son in the faith that all of us could stand to hear again. Why is it Timothy should not be ashamed of the gospel? Why is the gospel something that we should delight in? Four reasons Paul gives here. Firstly, the gospel reminds us of the grace, the grace of God shown to us in our salvation. Verse nine, building upon this idea of being unashamed for the gospel. He says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Rest in the power of God, verse nine, who saved us, who called us to a holy calling. Why? Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Paul says to Timothy, remember, remember your need for salvation and remember that God saved you in Christ. He rescued you, Timothy. He called you out of death and breathed into you new life. Your future was one of judgment. Your life now was one of death and sin, but God did not abandon you, leave you, or give you what you deserved. He acted to save you. And he did that not because you deserved it. He did that not because of your works, he did that because of his own purposes and his amazing grace. Precisely because you did not deserve it, you should rejoice in the salvation that God has given in Christ. Have you ever been given a gift that you did not deserve? A surprising gift? Maybe one that you desperately needed? This past year, in watching college baseball, I got to know the Wake Forest baseball program a little bit more. They were playing LSU. I took an interest in them. And I read about this incredible story regarding, involving the coach, whose name is Tom Walter. And when Tom Walter first got to Wake Forest University, an interesting situation happened involving one of the players that he was recruiting for his team. He got there in 2009. He started in, uh, recruiting this guy named Kevin Jordan. It turns out that Kevin had a, a kidney disease. And over time... Kevin's kidneys begin to lose functionality to the point when he came to Wake Forest in 2011, his kidneys were functioning at 8% of what his body needed them to do. And of course, that meant he had to go on dialysis. His family began testing to see if any of them were compatible, if any of their kidneys would, would work to help Kevin's body, but none of their kidneys would work. But it just so happens Tom's kidney was a match. And do you know what Tom did? He gave this kid a kidney. 
Incredible, right? I mean, there's no reason why Tom had to do this, but he felt led to give this young man a kidney so that he could live. And in the article that I read this week from ESPN, he said that the young man, Kevin said, now this coach and I are forever joined at the hip and I am forever grateful. I mean, the gift of life, that kind of gift humbles you. And it makes you eternally grateful to the one who gave it to you. So I want you to think about the awe and the shock you feel about a person, sort of a stranger, connected through a baseball program, giving a kidney to someone in need who needed life. And I want you to think about the fact that we have been given much more than a kidney. And we have been rescued for something much greater than physical death. Not because we deserved it. All because of the grace of God. Friends, we should never, ever, ever get over the amazing grace that God has shown us in his gospel. Don't be ashamed of the grace of God. Delight in the grace of God. Secondly, Paul says the reason we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, the reason, Timothy, you should not be ashamed of the gospel is that it declares to us the eternal certainty of God's redemptive plan. He did this. He saved us, not because of our works, verse nine, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus when, listen to this, before the ages began, these purposes that have driven our salvation, these purposes that unveil the grace of God are eternally established. Everything that God is doing is not a surprise. It's not something he had to kind of change his mind on or adapt because we fell into sin. No, they were established and established to be unveiled in Christ before the ages began. All of you who were here last week remember that we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we read there Paul's encouragement to the Corinthian church to make sure that the gospel is of first importance. And listen to how he describes this gospel. I would remind you, verse 1, Brothers of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. And then he appeared to many who are still alive today. What does that set of verses teach us about the plan of God? God had this salvation in mind from the beginning. And the biblical witness is a testimony to the fact that God has been pursuing the same agenda, the same goal for the entirety of our existence. What has been revealed in Christ was established in eternity. So Timothy, would you take stock in the fact that God may know more than you know? That maybe there are some things that you can't see that he fully sees. And if you need evidence of the fact that God knows and sees more than we do and his purposes are always accomplished, look to the gospel. It's a call to trust this gospel message. And you need to trust 
more than ever right now as you fear the powers and principalities that are coming against you? Would you trust that God is greater than those and he is using all things for your good and his glory? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Thirdly, because it reveals the love of God and sending his son to serve as our righteous substitute. Verse 10. Now, this salvation has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Think about that statement. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, took on flesh to dwell among us. He left the glory of heaven to come here, to to tabernacle with us, to make the presence of God felt, the glory of God known. He lived a perfect, sinless life only to die on a sinner's cross for us. Have we forgotten how much God has loved us and how that love has been displayed through the work of Jesus? No, Timothy, you rest in the gospel. Even in this moment when I'm in prison, even in the future, if you are in prison, that does not mean that God has loved you. It means something else is going on. No, but you, you heed the gospel. You hear the gospel and you rest in the truth. That there's been no greater display of love in the history of the world than what God did for you upon that cross. And you allow that to fill you rather than fear or anxiety. And finally, Paul says the reason we should not be ashamed of the gospel, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel because it points us to the victory that God has secured for us in Jesus. Jesus abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, to the gospel. Timothy, all those powers that are working against you, all that resistance that you feel, it has been overcome in the resurrection of Jesus. Everything that Jesus preached in his earthly ministry, everything that the Old Testament was giving witness to and pointing us to Christ, Jesus has made effective and revealed the wisdom of God through his death and resurrection. We now can see the power of God on display, the power that both saves and sustains us. Timothy, there's no power that can come against you that is greater than the power of God shown to us in Christ. You have no reason to worry. No cause to worry. Because he who is greater, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Would you trust that? Would you trust that? How could you be ashamed of this message, Timothy? How could you for a minute even consider forsaking the God who did not forsake you? Timothy, be moved by the riches of God's grace. Trust in the certainty of his plan. Let your heart be stirred by his love for you and live in the victory that he has secured for you so that you can stay in the race. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And secondly, don't be ashamed of servants of the gospel. It's not only the message of the gospel that Timothy seems to be tempted to distance himself from. It's Paul himself. Paul's in prison. He's about to die. 
It seems like Paul has lost everything for the sake of the gospel, his health, his freedom, and soon his life. And Timothy's looking at his father in the faith and he's seeing what could be his future and what could happen if he remains associated with Paul. Those who are doing what they are doing to Paul could do this to Timothy. There's a risk for Timothy to remain faithful. You know, in many ways, this moment with Timothy reminds me of a moment that we looked at in the life of Peter and Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus has been arrested and as Peter is watching the trial begin to unfold, there are some, some servants, a servant girl and other people around him that begin to question Peter and his association with Jesus. Hey, Peter, aren't you one of those disciples? Aren't you with Jesus? And how does Peter answer? No, no, that's not me. You have the wrong Peter. Why did, why did Peter do that? Why did he deny Jesus after just saying, Jesus, I would never deny you because of fear. He was afraid that what was happening to Jesus would happen to him. And Timothy finds himself in that same predicament. And Paul says, don't, don't give up. Don't be ashamed of the gospel or those who serve the gospel because that's why Paul's in prison. He's a prisoner of Christ and he's willing to count everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. That's what he wrote in Philippians 3. He was faithful to do what God had called him to do as a preacher, apostle, and teacher, verse 11. And it's that faithfulness that led to his moment, this moment. It's that faithfulness to say, no, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's what got him into this position. So Timothy, don't let this be a moment to lead you to shame, but rather a moment to be emboldened for the sake of the gospel. You know, it'd be easy for us to look at a, a person like Paul in this kind of situation and react as Timothy did in our flesh to say, you know what? That's gonna cost too much. If I remain faithful, it's gonna cost too much. I can't risk losing my reputation. I can't risk losing my business. I can't risk not being on the ball team that I wanna be a part of. I can't risk those things. And so I'm just gonna pull back and not be as bold in my association with Jesus or those who are associated with Jesus. But I wanna challenge us today to let our supernatural response, our spiritual response be the one that we lean into. One like we read about in Philippians chapter one. Paul, Paul's writing from prison and he says these incredible words to the Philippian church. I want you to know that what has happened to me, me being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel because the whole imperial guard knows why I'm here. Even in prison, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not here because of Rome, I'm here because of Christ. But here's what he also says. And the brothers around me, the church around me, when, they, when they've seen my boldness in prison, they're now all the more bold to declare the gospel and their freedom. So Timothy, don't, don't react like Peter in that moment. React like the brothers around me that, that saw my faithfulness in prison and said, if Paul's gonna be faithful in prison, what's my excuse in my freedom? Certainly I should be, 
bold enough to declare the gospel of Jesus and trust, and trust that Christ will hold me fast. Because, Timothy, there's gonna be a day when you definitely wanna be associated with Jesus. When you're standing before a holy and righteous God and you're aware of your sinfulness and you have appropriate shame over your sinfulness in light of his holiness, the only person you wanna have next to you, the only name you wanna claim is the name of Christ because he's the only way you get to where you were created to be. And then finally, exhortation three, because of these things, don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. He's enabled us to move beyond our natural inclinations and to supernatural obedience. It's this power, the spirit of God working within us that allows us to remain steadfast. Timothy, if you will rest in the spirit, if you will rest in the gospel, then this fear, this timidity can, can go away as God calls you into to greater obedience. It's the kind of power that will enable you to endure losing earthly status for the sake of a greater heavenly status. Paul is not ashamed of his suffering because he knows why he is suffering. He's suffering for the gospel. He's suffering in identification with Jesus and he is asking Timothy to do the same. As he's facing death, he knows. Timothy, you're next. You're up. Will you remain faithful? And why would Timothy do this? He tells us because the gospel is worth it and the world needs it. The gospel's worth it and the world needs it needs it. I'm a servant of the gospel, Timothy. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I've been called, appointed to be a preacher, an apostle, a teacher. And here's what I know. Even if I lose my life, I know whom I believed and I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that he will guard the message. He will guard this gospel that's been entrusted to me until that day that he returns. This message, this eternal message established in eternity past, it is worth everything. Because there are people, Gentiles, people in Ephesus, who do not know the grace of God toward them in Jesus, who have not yet seen or heard the love of God displayed for them on that cross, who have not been given the eyes to see the wisdom of God on display in the gospel. And they need to hear you. They need to hear the church declare this good news. Would you remain faithful? Faithful. Now listen, church, if we're faithful to declare this gospel, Timothy, if you're faithful to declare this gospel, you should expect resistance. You should expect suffering, but also provision. That's what Jesus promised. John 15, verses 18 to 27. Listen to these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. 
but because you are not of the world, because you're holy and set apart. That's the calling that we've been called to, a holy and set apart calling. Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, the world will hate you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Yes, yes. This gospel ministry is challenging. The word that God, the work that God has called us to do as a church is challenging. And it will be even more challenging. It will become even more challenging as the day of the Lord draws near. The environments we minister in will get darker, which will allow the light of the gospel to shine even brighter. And there will be resistance. But know you have a helper, a promised helper. You have the power of God at work within you that's able to overcome any fear. And guide you into greater faithfulness. Will you, Timothy, allow the spirit within you to help you remain steadfast regardless of the cost? Will you allow the spirit to, to move you to a place where you are no longer ashamed, but emboldened? By the gospel, for the gospel, regardless of the cross. And friends, that same question is the question that the Bible poses to us today. Will we be an unashamed people? Will we count the cost and say that the gospel is worth it? Let's think about our response today. How can we think about growing in faithfulness as a people by virtue of the work of the word and the spirit in our lives, by listening and considering Paul's witness to Timothy? Let me just offer you a few responses to to think about and pray through today to lead us as a people. Firstly, let's delight in the gospel message. Can we just delight in the gospel message? Friends, may we never grow tired of hearing it. I heard a pastor say one time, if all we do is preach the gospel, we're we're gonna create a bunch of shallow Christians. Hogwash. No, we need to hear the gospel over and over and over again. And could you imagine the kind of church or people we would be if we actually embraced the fullness of the gospel, if we were actually a grace-filled, sacrificially loving people committed to, to leaving the comfort of our areas, our homes, to go and declare the good news of Jesus to the world? Can you imagine What would happen if the gospel really took root in our lives and we were faithful to stand on it, live in light of it, and declare it? My goodness. I hope, I hope the gospel gets a hold of our heart. I hope the the gospel is something we so delight in because there are depths and depths and depths of its glory that we have yet to mine. And listen, this will become harder and harder for us to to remain committed to. The gospel message will be harder and harder for us to delight in. 
the more our, our culture commits itself to secularization and individualization, to say that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that will be resisted. To say that we are sinners in need of a savior and to, to clarify from scripture what sin is, what God has said is good and what God has said is wrong, that will become harder and harder. But will we remain steadfast? Let's not be unashamed of what God said. Let's not be unashamed of what God Let's not be ashamed of what God has said. Let's not be ashamed of what God has done. It doesn't do anyone any good for us to back off of the truth of God's word, to save face, or to preserve a relationship. We are called to speak the truth in love, regardless of the cost. And also, friends, let's never grow tired of speaking the gospel to one another because there's no greater encouragement for us to walk in faithfulness than the gospel message itself because it is this gospel that saves and sustains. Think about the ministry that we could have to one another as we gather on Sundays and through Bible studies throughout the week. Are you having a bad day? Would you remember the grace of God toward you in Jesus? Would you remember the gift that God has given you in Christ that leads to not just abundant life here but eternal life forever? Could you just rest in that perspective today? Did you have a bad day? Are you dealing with relational stress? Would you remember today that God has reconciled you to himself in Christ? Seemed like that was a relationship that would never be fixed. And yet by God's action and his mercy and his incredible forgiveness secured in Jesus, he's allowed you to step into fellowship with him. Are you nervous about the future? What's gonna happen in our country? What's gonna happen with your job? Would you remember the one who wrote the future? Who holds the future in the palm of his hands and who has evidenced for us time and time again the fact that he is moving things toward his desired ends. He is working all things for his glory and your good. Let's delight in the gospel message, church. Secondly, Let's devote ourselves to declaring the message of the gospel to the nations, regardless of the cost. We say this often, I hope it's baked within us, that God is worthy of the worship of the whole world. He's worthy of it. He created all of it. He is worthy of everyone's worship. The whole world needs to hear the message of the gospel because there are still places today that are consumed with idolatry, that have false worldviews and religions that are shrouding people in darkness. And the only hope is the gospel message. Church family, will we be committed to taking gospel risk? Gospel risk. We're not calling you to be reckless, but we are calling you to be intentional and faithful, to count the cost and to see that the cost is worth it. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that is passionate about local and global discipleship. And I pray that as we hear more and more from our partners around the world who are enduring some of the worst persecution in the history of Christianity, that would not cause us to shrink, but to rise up in boldness in our freedom. As I hear testimonies from, from friends in Ethiopia and India I'm stunned 
by what they endure for the gospel. Let me ask you this question. What is the worst thing that you can imagine happening to you because of your faithfulness to Jesus? Do you know there are Christians today, right now, who are enduring that? I read an article this week about 13 Christians in Eritrea who were released from prison after 10 years just because they're Christians. And guess what? There are 300 more Christians in Eritrean prisons just because they are faithful to Christ. What happens here? What happens if that happens in the United States? God forbid. Would we remain faithful? Or would we say, you know what? It's not worth going to prison. There there are some places in and Christianity around the world while going to prison is a rite of passage. What if that was us? If you, I heard one of my favorite pastors ask this question this week. If you were to take away the air conditioning, the comfy seats, the security that we feel in gathering today, would you still come? Would you still be engaged? Would you still show up for the sake of the gospel? Man, what a, what a challenge. Let's not let that, that possible reality calls us to retreat. No, let's be emboldened for the sake of the gospel, to take the gospel to places that need it. And finally, let's rest in the spirit God has given us of power, love, and self-control. It's a holy calling. A holy calling we've been given. Set apart to declare the gospel, to guard this good deposit, to follow the pattern of sound words, even when it's difficult. And listen, when we walk in faithfulness as a people, when we live in a set-apart way, powers and principalities that are working in vain to stop the redemptive plan of God will notice. But don't you want to be a part of a church that's noticeable? I, I pray we're the kind of church that makes the devil lose sleep at night. I pray that we're the kind of church that the powers and principalities say, hey, we gotta do something about that Bayleaf Baptist church because they're engaging a lot of people with the gospel. They're, they're pointing a lot of people to worship and allegiance to King Jesus and we gotta stop that. I'd much rather be on that side than the kind of church that the enemy doesn't care about at all. Let's... Ask God in prayer to fill us with his spirit, embolden us to take appropriate gospel risk and trust that whatever's working against us has been overcome by the cross. And even if we suffer a little bit of defeat here, there is great, great ultimate victory in Jesus. And that's something to celebrate. Now hear me, friends. If we remain faithful, if we will walk in this power, the power of God will be displayed just like it was in Ephesus. Yes, there was resistance in Ephesus, but you know what also happened there? Mighty, incredible acts of God. The Bible tells us in Acts 19 that because of the faithful work of Paul, the whole economy of Ephesus was affected. Isn't that incredible? The whole economy. There's a whole section of the economy that was built on idol making. 
There's so much idolatry in Ephesus that people got their livelihood from building idols. And then all of a sudden this guy Paul comes talking about Jesus, how there's a God who created you. You don't create your gods. You worship the one who created you. And suddenly people stopped buying idols. And the idol makers are like, hey, something's going on here and we got to do something about these Christians. That's what caused the riot. The power of God on display. That it affected the whole economy. There were people being healed by garments of clothes that just touched Paul. There was so much power on display that these itinerant Jewish exorcists, the sons of Sceva, tried to get the power for themselves and it didn't work out so well for them because you can't mimic what only God can give. Let me just tell you, friends, if we will rest in the power of God, he will display his power through his people and many, many, many will come to know him. Many will join us in worship. He's promised. He's promised this will happen. Will we remain faithful? When hardship comes, will we retreat in shame? Or will we boldly be unashamed for God's glory? Wherever you are, do you bow your heads? Spend some time asking God to help you know how to respond to this preached word. Maybe some of you in here You've never been associated with Jesus. You couldn't be ashamed of him because you've never claimed his name. Maybe for the first time today, you're hearing about or seeing or hearing the, the truth of the grace of God given to you in Jesus, the love of God shown to you. And you're saying, Jared, I need to be rescued. I need to be saved from, from death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And I want to repent and believe in him today. I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead so I can be saved. In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We'd love to encourage you to give your life to Christ. There's no greater decision you could make today because the gospel saves. For those of us who are in Christ, Let's remember the sustaining work of the gospel today. The encouragement of it. Would you delight, oh my goodness, would you just delight in the truth of the gospel? The grace shown to you. The wisdom of God established in eternity past, realized in Jesus. The victory that has been given. The love that has been shown. Would you delight in that today? Give God glory. Praise for that. Ask him to help those things to show up in your life as evidence of the work of the gospel. Would you commit to speaking it to each other? The gospel would be on our tongue at all times. And would you, 
Ask God to continue to use our church to make disciples locally and globally for his glory. That we would consider the cost, that we would calculate the risk, and we would boldly step forward in faithfulness. We're not trying to be obnoxious. We're trying to be faithful. God, would you help us be faithful? And would you just pray for our church that as the world around us becomes more secularized, individualized, that we would be a set-apart people guarding the good deposit of the gospel for the sake of those around us now and for the sake of the generations that will come. And that we will faithfully declare the gospel one generation to the next until the day that Jesus returns, regardless of the cost. Father, would you find us faithful, unashamed, as your people, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for joining us this week at Bayleaf. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website at bayleaf.org.